new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. live. Hey man, good morning Jordan. How are things going? I'm Jared Warren. He is Jordan Earls and we are here bringing the Success 101 podcast unscripted to you guys. I'm so excited to finally have the right person. I threw this out there a long time ago asking for people if they had any ideas of people in the Dallas area. I wanted someone local here. I didn't want someone calling in. I wanted that live in studio feeling. So glad you're here. Why don't you fill the listeners in a little bit on who you are? A little bit of your backstory and uh, and just what you're excited about here to bring to them each week on the podcast. Good. Thanks, Jared. I am a Baton Rouge boy living in Dallas, been in Dallas about three years with my wife. We have a, a baby on the way. We're about eight and a half, nine months along. Um, ready to baby see boy. Baby boy. Yeah. I don't know what that feels him. like, bro. Having three girls <laughs> at home. I'm way outnumbered. That's great. That's great. Maybe you can teach me how, yeah, to, I'll uh, show you. how to make that happen. Yeah. So went to LSU, LSU grad, played music all the way through college, paid my way through school doing that. And I still play occasionally for fun. What's your favorite kind of music? Favorite kind. I like singer songwriter, you know, sort of softish rock, uh, John Mayer, sort of Kings of Leon, that kind of thing. Nice. Currently working as a financial advisor. Uh, looking to really get a lot out of this podcast. I'm hoping to grow and learn from you and share some ideas with other people. Yeah, that's awesome. And for you guys listening in out there, if you're a loyal listener to the Success 101 podcast, or maybe this is your first time tuning in after seeing it getting shared on social media, really, I'm excited about this new dynamic, things like business, finance, current events, whatever. I mean, hopefully not too far into politics, but heck, maybe we'll go there as well. I mean, it is the election year, right? So, and what a beating that has uh, oh, has man. been the whole time. But uh, we'll get into a lot of stuff. And our goal here is just to bring engaging, relevant topics to you around what the podcast was really centered around whenever it was created, which is peak performance, getting you better each day in the areas of habits, rest, sleep, goal setting, fill in the blank, whatever. And then who knows, like I said, what we're going to get into. But Jordan, excited to have you here. He is Jordan Earls, E-A-R-L-E-S. Yep. Go check him out on social media. And just for those listening in, where is the best place out there for someone who wants to connect directly with you, whether it be Facebook or any other platform, uh, where can we direct them? Yeah, I think Facebook, LinkedIn, both of those would, would be effective. Awesome. Like I said, financial advisor married to Hayes, his wife. Hayes, yeah. And and I always thought that that was uh, a guy's, I, I thought somebody was getting the name wrong every I time I would see a man. Yeah. I thought it was your brother on social media is what it was. <laughs> Hayes Earls. I was like, Hey, that's gotta be his brother. Then I finally met her in person. I'm like, Nope, that's a chick. That's, that's his wife. Great. So yeah. So baby on the, when do y'all do? Christmas day. Really? Yeah. We're going to name him Jesus. <laughs> I think I actually saw somebody on social media or something I read the other day where someone's name was Hosanna. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> I'm not sure that you could. I think in Georgia, I heard a couple of years ago in Georgia, that, true story, a judge ruled down someone naming their baby Messiah. No way. And they actually, it actually passed. Like they actually like ruled you cannot name like they wanted to hold that name to the deity that no it is. No way. And they came back and said, yeah, you got to change it. And I was like, oh, there's no way that's going to fly. And then by the end of the news segment, it basically said, 
they'll have to come up with a new name because the judge <laughs> is not going to allow that. But you know, Messiah, Hosea, oh. I mean, I don't know. So yeah, Jesus. Only in the deep south would that get denied. Uh, maybe Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, there you go. There you go. Good. Jesus. So Jordan, let's kick it off. I know you've got a few things you want to dive into here today for our listeners, just to bring some knowledge their way. So why don't you just go ahead and carry it away? Yeah, I love it. One thing that I find uh, interesting that I'd say I'm somewhat passionate about is is dressing for success. That's, you know, obviously a concept that I think, Jared, you get for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, what, what I think is interesting, though, is you have guys that are in our industry that wear suits every day that are very successful. And then you've got guys maybe in Silicon Valley that wear jeans and the same t-shirt every day that are also right. very successful. So I thought it'd be neat just to talk through what is, what does it mean to be successful in dressing for success and in building an image and building a brand around the way that you look? Yeah. I think the old school dress, especially for us in the, you know, the financial planning business used to be uh, suit and tie every day. The more and more Friends of mine and connections of mine, other financial advisors, not only here in Texas, but in other places, I'm just hearing more and more, they're losing the tie, they're dressing more casually. I just think that's where our, kind of our society's going. I guess it's maybe a generational thing, but also maybe just a sign of the times. And you would argue that some of those guys out in Silicon Valley, as you just mentioned, I mean, th- those guys are making millions and millions of dollars wearing t-shirts and sketchers every day <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, there's all these articles floating around the internet. Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook uh, founder, says he he doesn't spend any time, you know, preparing for the day. He wears the same shirt and the same pants every single day of the week. And his philosophy is if he spends any time focusing on what he's going to wear that day, he's using mental energy that he could be applying to making the world a better place or building an empire or whatever it might might be. That philosophy kind of I don't necessarily agree with, but I, right. I find a lot of value, I think, in it. I yeah, I don't know where I stand on that. I think, I don't know. When I first heard it, I thought maybe it was a little bit of a cop-out because I was like, really, dude? I mean, I go to my closet, and even if I'm not sure what I'm going to wear that day, yep. I kind of pick it out and I put it on. Yep. If you had polled me and said, hey, man, let's pull you aside here, do an exit poll, and the time it just took you to put that on, just think of all the things you could have gone to do to save the world. I would have been like, uh, yeah, probably not. I just put on a shirt and some pants and, you know, whatever. So, but I hear more and more people telling his story. Yep. I mean, I see it on different platforms and blogs and different things out there. So obviously some people are finding enough, you know, value in that story to say, look, we're going to write about it. We're going to put out content about it. Some people are getting value out of it. I'm just not sure where I stand on it. Yeah. When you look at Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs were those same, that iconic, you know, jeans and the black turtleneck and every right. single day, any day that you'd see him on, on television, that's what he'd be wearing. But that was his brand, you know? And so you expected to see him like that and people grew, grew to love it. Uh, but I think you can get away with that in Silicon Valley. I don't think that you can get away with that in a whole lot of other places. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll give you an example. I was in a hotel lobby bar uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, back in November. Milwaukee. And this was. I guess this was November of last year. Election season was just starting to roll. Um, and there was a woman in the bar that was really a, just a sweet gal that was the Fox News correspondent for uh, Ted Cruz. And so I'm sitting, getting a little bit of work done, enjoying a glass of wine. And she leans over to me and, and starts asking me about, you know, what are my stances on politics? How do I feel like, about Ted Cruz? And, and why is it that so many young millennials are shying away from career politicians. 
And, you know, I had some thoughts on it, which is sort of off topic, but we talked for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And by the end of the conversation, we started talking about image. You know, I said, listen, people are going to size you up in the first 14 seconds that they see you. And they're going to make a a decision on whether or not they want to be your friend or or want to like you or regardless, they're going to, they're going to make some. Is that true data? I haven't heard that. that... 14 seconds is the the rule that I've heard. And she says, that's funny. I made an assumption about you in the first three seconds. (laughs) And it just goes to show that, you know, your brand and your image, you really only have a couple of minutes to to make an impression and you might might even only have a couple of seconds to make an impression. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd asked me this question probably five, six, seven years ago, I would have thought it was just, I thought it would just be made up. Like, hey, I can, first impressions are important, but whether I wear a $150 custom shirt or I wear an off the rack shirt as I did when I first was getting my career started and just look like garbage all the time, honestly, I can maybe overpower you with my skills, with my personality, with my knowledge, even though my shirt may not look good. Today, I'm totally the other way. Today, I think not only from a perception standpoint of how you're showing up in the marketplace, for those of you in business that have jobs that you know may require custom clothing or suits, things like that, I did not invest in my wardrobe early on, and people that knew me could tell you that, but I think now more so, even maybe even more so from a confidence standpoint, just thinking about how you feel whenever you're wearing certain clothing. Yeah. I know I feel a lot different when I'm in a t-shirt working up here, even on a Saturday morning, really early, just getting some stuff knocked out before the kids wake up. I just feel different. I feel way different than I do standing here in front of a, in front of you right now in a suit. Agreed. I don't know why it is. I, mentally, I can't connect with work if I'm dressed in, in jeans and a t-shirt or jeans and a polo. I just have a hard time. I, I can push through, but it, it doesn't motivate me to really want to be a bulldog and get things done. But one thing that I hear a lot is, you know, sort of that Mark Zuckerberg, I don't want to put a ton of time into it. Um, for all the listeners that feel like they don't feel connected to their wardrobe or don't enjoy maybe putting clothes on in the morning. Um, what I found is I keep my dress really simple. I have, you know, a number of different suits that I wear. And you're always a sharp dressed dude. I mean, I Thanks, very, Jared. very I trendy, that. very, uh, I would say the more the European cut suit with you, skinny, For you know, sure. skinnier look. I'm pushing the envelope. I know, I know when you first yeah. showed up around our offices, I was like, man, who's, those pants are a little tight, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's like, that's, that's the style. That's where everything's going. The boxy, bigger look with, you know, cuffs at the bottom of your pants. I mean, that went out a long time ago. Yep. So. You're definitely, uh, you're definitely cutting edge there. I, I feel like I dress pretty well every day. Yep. And uh, I'm looking at you now. You've got these super cool blue socks on and a blue suit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, def- definitely doing it the right way. Well, and the thing that I do that keeps it really easy in the mornings is I only wear three colors of shirts. I wear white shirts. I wear blue shirts. And then on, the, on maybe a Friday when I'm feeling real crazy, I'll wear a pink shirt. Uh, but if I'm wearing a pink crazy. shirt, I'm not going to wear a tie. Okay. Oh, nice. And so that's your rule. Pink shirt, no rule. tie. Pink shirt, no tie. Um, it, as far as ties go, I really only wear red ties, blue ties, and yellow ties. And so I know that anything I grab in my closet is going to match. No questions asked. I can grab any shirt. I can grab any tie. And I, don't, I can do it in the dark because it just, I'm not going to grab a green shirt off the rack. It, I don't have one. Right. Right. 
Um, I'm not gonna have to worry about wearing a green shirt with a purple tie because I just I don't do it, you know. So to that, it doesn't take me any time to get dressed in the mornings because I don't have to spend a whole lot of mental energy uh, to decide what I want to wear. It is literally grab one off the rack, takes 10 seconds. So to all the listeners that feel like, hey, I don't really have time to, to spend on my wardrobe, if you do the work on the front end and maybe be intentional about what you buy, you won't have to do work on a daily basis on what matches and what doesn't match. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, that topic. And guys listening in, this is Success 101 Podcast Unscripted. I don't know if that's the official name of it here or not um, that, that we're going to go with. But, you know, I, I didn't know that Jordan was going to come with necessarily that information, particularly on dressing and clothing. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I've been thinking about an article that I read a while back uh, that I'll dive into here in just a second. But I think it's really interesting to try to learn where, you know, where that line is between Mark Zuckerberg, who, I mean, one in every eight, maybe maybe even less than that now, one in every seven, but I heard a stat a couple of years back, one in every eight people has, on the planet has a Facebook account. I mean, can you imagine if you want to scale and you want to grow and scale your brand, do something that one out of every eight people on the planet taps into? I mean, that's, that's in, insane. That's incredible, right? I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. And then now everything that they're doing with the ads and I mean, it's just... It's amazing. I'm curious to see where that goes. But you get guys like that, that if you said, what's the definition of success? Definition of success for him is one out of every eight people have what I created. Uh, but he's wearing gray t-shirts every day. The point you and I just made is that when you show up looking good, you feel good. Yep. You show up looking good, you feel good, you perform good, you've performed well, you act uh, in a way that's in accordance to that. And for some people listening out there, they may say, yeah, that's whatever. I, I can show up and act however I want to. I would disagree because yeah. I was that guy that didn't think you had to invest in your clothing and whatever. So I'm curious to see with all these guys that are now turning over more in the millennial generation into a more casual look, where that's going long-term t-shirt generation, even though now you and I are both sitting here saying we feel a lot more, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but yeah, to some extent, feel a little bit more powerful, more confident, more like, hey, let's go take on the day when you look good. It's confidence. So, yeah. Curious to see where that's going. So there was an article that I read uh, quite a while back. I tried to uh, search for the one that I found and I, I couldn't find it, but I found one similar. And basically it's just talking about uh, just becoming who you want to be, the feeling side of who you want to be, exactly tying into to what you're saying here, Jordan. And it's backed by research. So there was a study that was done in 1971. There was a psychologist and a team of researchers. They conducted this study and what the psychologist went on to say is that is that it divided people into two groups. Group A wore normal clothes. Group B wore their normal clothes and lab coats. This was a further study that they did on top just to further justify the research. And when the groups did this mental agility test, the group wearing lab coats made about half as many mistakes as the other group. No way. And in a similar experiment, so this thing just kind of keeps going to prove the data and research. In a similar experiment, Group A was told they were wearing painter smocks, whereas Group B was told they were wearing doctor's coats. And in this study, the group wearing doctor's coats scored significantly higher on brain tests and these mental cognitive tests that they put them through compared to the ones wearing painter's clothes and the exercises they had them going through. So it's, it's this weird phenomenon that researchers call enclosed cognition, where you feel and you think totally differently just by wearing something and someone tells you it's a doctor's smock or a painter's coat. Wow. It's fascinating. That's insane. It's unbelievable. 
And so really the whole article that I was referencing and, and couldn't find went on to say that you can become who you want to be by changing your clothes. So the question I would ask you guys out there listening today is who do you want to become? What skills do you want to develop? What qualities would you like to possess? And no matter what you say, no matter what your answers are, there's no reason, guys, to wait until you've arrived like I did early on in my career to start dressing like the person you want to be. I mean, it was ridiculous. I would try to go buy like $130 tan suit with a green tie <laughs> and $40 shoes and just fake it till you make oh, it, right? I mean, if I could go back and just do it all over again, I would be, I would be <laughs> so different. I didn't think it mattered. I didn't yeah. think, I thought if I dressed well enough to get by and I had a suit and a tie on, that didn't matter what that looked like, right? Yep. But the point of this is dress like the person you want to become and your behaviors will naturally follow. And as I mentioned, Jordan, to you, obviously the clothes you wear, they're not going to magically create new skills and traits. I mean, you still have to develop into the person you want to be, but what is it going to do to your brain? How's it going to prime your brain for how you're getting up each day, how you're showing up? Talk about showing up a lot on the podcast. You can show up to your job each day and then not show up, yep. right? We've got to keep showing up over and over again. So we've got to dress for success. And in fact, we have a contest here at our office called Dress for Success. You know, you hit these certain measurements and you're going to get a suit. You're going to get a tie. You're going to get a shirt. But you've got to dress that way. If nothing else, if you hear nothing else from us, it just changes your brain and your brain behavior. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. So interesting. You bring that up whenever I was prepared to talk through that today. Yeah. You know, I, th I think it's interesting. You, you talked a lot about how much your environment matters. That kind of makes me think about Pete Greider. Are you uh, pretty close to Pete Greider? Yeah, I was coached by Pete for about a year in my business. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you who, who haven't heard of Pete Greider, we'd encourage you to, to dive into some of his stuff. But uh, one of the things, he's written a book called Following Through, and his big mantra is your environment is about 99% of what's going to cause you to be successful. So his sort of uh, reasoning around that, or maybe a, a, an example of that, he says, there's two sides of your brain. There is the uh, analytical, responsible side of your brain that he calls the owl. Um, and then there is the sort of emotional, I want what I want when I want it side of your brain that he would call Thor. So he says there's the two sides of your brain are the owl. And, and I love this concept when I first heard him say it years ago. It was It's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And so the owl is, you know, the, the part of your brain that knows what you want, knows what's best for you, um, knows what you need out of life, long term at least. Um, but the owl is weaker than Thor. Thor is extremely emotionally charged, um, only wants what's best for you in the very moment wants what feels good, wants what seems right at the time, doesn't care about what's best for you in the long run. And uh, Thor is stronger than the owl, right? We think Thor, the, the character on, on television, right. he's one of the strongest superheroes, right? Absolutely. So a, a whole lot stronger than the owl. Um, you got to take that big sledgehammer around. And yeah, pulse, exactly. right? <laughs> that magic sledgehammer that comes yeah, out of right. nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I've so, never been able to do that with a sledgehammer, by the way, whenever I pick <laughs> one up. So the idea is everybody feels like they need to become more responsible. They need to be more of an adult. They need to do this or that more consistently and that they should just be able to turn it on in an instant. Problem with that is if you're not setting up your environment, you're not going to be able to do so. So here's an example. 
you go to the doctor, you know, he diagnoses you with some sort of illness. He says, if you do not start getting into the gym every day, you're going to die early. So what do you do? You go home, you set the alarm. You know that the only way that you're going to be able to get to the gym is if you can go at 5 a.m. before the workday. So you set out your clothes the night before, you put the alarm on, you go to bed early, and then 5 a.m. rolls around, and what do you do? You hit snooze. Absolutely. You hit snooze, and in that moment, Thor wins, because what is best for you in that moment is for you to keep sleeping. Right. What feels right is for you to hit snooze and close your eyes. Thor wins because Thor is stronger than the owl. Now, how do you fix that? How do you become more responsible? How do you become more consistent? Um, it is all about tricking Thor to be on your side or on the side of the owl. We're not going to be able, able to overpower Thor, but if we can con him into being on, on our side, we may be successful. So here's an example. You go to the doctor. Doctor says, hey, we're going to diagnose you with this illness. If you don't get in the gym, you're going to die early. You decide, hey, this is important to me. I want to make sure that I do this. So you go home, you set your alarm, you put your clothes out the night before. The difference is you call your boss and you say, hey, boss, um, I want to work out at 5 a.m. Would you meet me there? What's the last thing on earth that you want to do? Stand him up. Look like a chump, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you don't want your boss left at the gym at 5 a.m. going, where the heck are you? Which I think is harder for guys like us that run our own business that don't have a boss. Touche. Yep. It's, it's easier. Uh, I mean, no offense, Jordan. It's easier for me to stand you up and make a big, audacious, well-detailed, thought-out excuse as to why I did it yep. to justify it than if I stood up somebody else that was like actually over me like a boss, like yeah. you said. So you have to find something that drives you, right? And that might be a boss. It might be somebody that you respect a ton. But the idea is you call up your buddy that you have a ton of respect for that you don't know if you've earned his respect yet type thing. And you say, hey, I'm going to the gym at 5 a.m. Will you meet me there? The last thing on earth you want to do is stand him up. You want him to think that you're the most responsible, that you're the man. And more than anything, you don't want to leave him hanging. Right. So you set your alarm for 5 a.m. You, you know, go to bed early the whole nine yards. The difference is this time what happens. You don't need the alarm. You're sort of on pins and needles. You don't even, you don't even wait for the alarm to go off. 445, your eyes are open and you're ready for the day. Wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's, it's that healthy, a little bit of healthy fear, yeah. right? I mean, healthy fear is okay in, in some ways if it's used the right way to get you motivated and get you going. Exactly. And so you're up, you're out of the bed, 445, you, you know, you turn the alarm off, you don't even need to hit snooze, and you're on your way to the gym. And that idea is you set up your environment to trick Thor into being on your side, because in that moment what was best for you at 4.45 or 5 a.m. was for you to not stand up your buddy or for you to not stand up your boss. Yeah, uh, accountability is huge. And I, I think what the real underlying thing is that you might be getting to here is we're going to act in accordance with our compelling why. And yep. if our why is big enough, I mean, it's going to make us do things that we would normally not do ever in our life simply because our why is so big. I mean, you hear about these these stories, you were talking about people out in Silicon Valley that just have these amazing ideas and build these companies. Those ideas are just ideas until you do something with them, but you've got to have a compelling reason to do that. Uh, one of the tips that I talk about sometimes on the podcast is what you just mentioned. Put your workout clothes out the night before. Put them on your alarm to where you have to, if you're going to reach up and hit snooze, your feeling <laughs> of your, your clothes and hopefully you're a disciplined enough person to get up. But I mean, 
think about it. If I don't know, maybe it's a leg day, and yeah. you don't. I mean, who wants to do no leg one wants day, to do right? legs? Does so, anybody do legs? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not anymore. Not not nowadays. They don't wear suits and they don't do oh, legs, right? So where great. are we going as a society? But you know, if it's a leg day. I went to bed a little late, screens in my face, whatever. I can reach over and feel those clothes on top of my alarm. And on a day that I'm pumped up to go work out or on a day that someone might get stood up if I don't show up, if I'm just going solo and it's leg day, by the way, uh, it's very important to remember. If my why is not big enough, if the reason getting me to the gym is not compelling enough, I'll feel those clothes. How easy is it to brush them aside and hit snooze? Yep. You're going to find a way to get it done and you're going to be on pins and needles, like you said, in that situation. But only if your compelling why is big enough. Yeah, agreed. But to that, the more we set up our environment, the easier it is to consistently perform around what you want. I mean, you said you told me the other day you put an alarm clock by your bed, right? Yep. And then you put the other alarm clock in uh, the bathroom. In the bathroom, correct? that's correct. Because you know, once you get out of the bed, you're golden, right? Yeah, and, and the bed, the alarm. The iPad sitting by my bed that's got the alarm on it is set for two minutes before the one in the bathroom is going to go off. Which is brilliant. You know that if that alarm clock goes off in the in the bathroom and wakes your wife up and your kids up, it's going to be a bad day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know some guys that whenever they have newborn babies, you may want to try this, by the way, when your son is born, they'll actually put the alarm, they'll actually set an alarm for two minutes by their bed or in the bathroom or wherever they'll hear it. They'll set another one for two or five minutes after in their newborn's room. Yep. Knowing that if that alarm goes off, yep. you're about to get a dose of this yourself here coming <laughs> soon. Uh, a, a baby that's a kid that's a little bit older, like mine are four, three, and 15 months. So as they get a little bit older, they can sleep a little bit better. But even my 15 month old right now, if she hears a noise and she's up, it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m., 4 a.m., she'll be up for the next two, three hours. I mean, oh, that, man. So, the sleep night is over at that point. Oh, it's done. And, and your marriage is on the rock probably because, <laughs> because you didn't get your butt out of bed and go turn that alarm off. Oh, that's great. I, I heard a story of uh, one guy who leaves the coffee pot, sets up the coffee pot for, you know, eight. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. And leaves the coffee pot out of the coffee maker. Yeah, I'm not brave enough to do that yet. <laughs> I would worry my alarm wouldn't go off for some reason, or I would just sleep through it. I don't know. You have coffee all over the ground. Oh, all over, all over. Yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, it's just it's setting up your environment. It's your it's your compelling why. It's all of those things that move the needle, but seem so small. Yeah. I mean, I the older I get, the more I realize that it's the small things in life. I mean, look, we make this life. From a business or success standpoint, we make it way too difficult, in my, in, in my opinion. I tell the young advisors that I'm coaching here all the time, and I'm sure you've been giving this advice as well, is just this is a very tough business and economic cycles and whatever can make it even harder to do what you need to do each day. But I think we make it a lot harder on Agreed. ourselves. And, and it's the small things. It's not the monumental shifts in your business or the roadmap and all the brainstorming you're going to do at the end of the year that's really going to move the needle in 2017, it is very small tweaks that are going to take you to where you want to be. Yeah. So I'd encourage everybody to focus more on those small things. One of the things that I was going to bring up to you, Jordan, that I thought was uh, was really interesting is, is just around this concept of working smarter and not harder. I mean, Ooh. we hear that all the time, right? Work smarter, not harder. I think people throw that around. What does that really mean? I mean, I think people always agree with it. It's like, oh, yeah, work smarter, not harder. But are you really putting any thought into what that means? And uh, I found an article a while back by um, uh, this lady. I don't know her personally or any of her work, but it's Belle Beth Cooper. 
She's the co-founder of Hello Code, which makes Exist, which is an app that connects all of your services and turn uh, that data into insights uh, about your life. I know nothing about, this is not a plug for Exist or Hello Code or anything like that, but it was a pretty fascinating article that I saw about just kind of the 10 tips that can help us work a lot smarter and not harder. And there was a quote that I saw by Jimmy Spithill. Uh, he's the skipper of Team Oracle, you know, the big boats that just cruise through the water in the, yep. in the Olympics and, and all of the, uh, the uh, races that you see. And, and a quote that I heard by him one time, he says, rarely have I seen a situation where doing less than the other guy is a good strategy. So that's, that's basically just muscling it through, right? Yep. We've got a team. We've got to get this boat through the water faster than anybody else. There's key transitions and things we can do as far as trimming the cells and the jib and all those sort of things that are going to make us go faster. And if we work harder and faster than the next team, we'll probably get there, right? His mantra, in fact, I think he went on to say something like, I may not be as talented or educated as other people, but I can always outwork them. And I think that's easy to some extent, just to outwork somebody. Yep. Especially if your why is bigger than theirs. It, yep. it makes it a lot easier for you to outwork them. I think working smarter is where it gets a lot tougher, okay? And so Bell Beth Cooper has these, uh, these tips for coming up with how we can work smarter. And one of the things that she, and again, these are just little simple things that hopefully the listeners take a lot away from. But one of the ways we do this is by choosing our three most important tasks or MITs, as she calls it. These are the big, tough tasks for your day that you really need to get done. Those tasks that we all know about, that are going to keep us in the office past the time that we know we needed to be home, which is going to become a lot more important for you here pretty soon. Yep. Any financial advisor that comes into our office that has kids, whether they're you know, young kids, a little bit older, whatever, if they've got a family at home, I tell them the most I want you working is about 50 hours a week. Now, they should be working more than that technically to get their career going. Um, but I teach them how to structure their day to where they can get everything done from early in the morning until about 5, 530 in the afternoon. And then they're out of there. If I see one of my advisors that has a family at home and they're working more than that each week, that is grounds for me to pull them aside and go, hey, man, you did not get into this career to be your own boss, have freedom, have control of your schedule, all the things that attract us into a career like this. You didn't do that to work all these hours and keep these late meetings. Yeah. For someone who's married, I usually say it's about 60 hours a week, technically, because you might can spend a little more time. Someone that's single, I mean, have at it. My, my fear there is just them <laughs> getting burnout, right? But I mean, work as much as you want. I, I look at my life right now and I'm like, man, I, I mean, nothing against my family, right? I hope this doesn't come across wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't trade my family or my wife for the world, but I kind of look back at those single days that I didn't know what I had as far as time. I felt like I was so busy doing yeah. what? I don't know, yeah. right? But I'd go work out at like 1030 at night and I'm just so <laughs> busy, right? I mean, if I could have that time back, it'd be amazing. But, uh, but you really do have to maximize your time. But getting your MITs done, your your most important tasks, okay, either at home when you first get up or whenever you first get to work. If you're going to put those off until later, we all know the story. You're going to get busy and you're going to run out of time and the day's going to get away from you and you end up just spending a lot more time doing what uh, you shouldn't be doing. And another really important thing around kind of starting your day off and, and mapping that out is to focus only on today. I know I've been guilty of that before where I will actually map out what I need to do today and then I'll list three or four other things that are coming up later during that week that I've got to make sure and remind myself of. Just focus on today. So about two years ago, Jordan, I started uh, with this document. I print a copy of it out every single day. And it's just called my, uh, I've, I've named it different things, but it's just called uh, Handle It. 
And I got that from an app. There was an app that I was using that was kind of a to-do do list. And so now at the top of this page, it just it just says, handle it today. And I put the date out there. Great. And really, it's my most important things. It's the things that I know I have to get done. Um, Is that and, what you put on the green sheets? Yeah, the green card's a little bit different. The uh, the handle it today sheet is something that I print out on my own. It has nothing to do with my staff, but basically it's just for me to write down the things that pop into my mind. Even sometimes I'll do it the night before when I do a brain dump. Many people have heard me talk about Craig Ballantyne's perfect day formula. I've got the kit right here on my desk, but in that notepad he sends in his kit, uh, one of the things is mapping out your day and there's a brain dump section there. A lot of times I'll just do a brain dump at night if I've got some things keeping me awake or keeping me, you know, whatever, thinking about it. I'll brain dump on there everything that I know I need to handle, and then I can rest. I can rest and relax. Well, the next day, those are some of the very first things that are going on that handle it today list. The green sheet is more of just a map of my schedule from yesterday, my reminders my staff is giving me that I may not even remember. Somebody may have said, call me six months from now, and all of a sudden today that shows up on my, on my green sheet. It's got my schedule for today. So I can glance down at it because I don't know if you've heard or not uh, some of the podcasts I've mentioned it, but I don't look at my schedule. Which I get a reminder brilliant. at 9 p.m. that tells me what my first meeting of the next day is. And then at 4 a.m. I get my full schedule in text format. So it keeps me from having to worry about what I've got going on. Would you say the name of that software you use is that sends you out? Oh, Snooster. The night before. Snooster. Snooster. I almost want to contact those guys and say, hey, let me help you remarket that name. Let me help you rebrand <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first one that's thought about that, but Snooster, it gives you uh, it gives you text format or it gives you voicemail. So whenever I get a call, I've actually put it in my phone now. It says wrap up meeting. When the Snooster number calls me, it calls me 15 minutes before I'm supposed to either hit the road or wrap up each meeting if I'm here in the office on the phone so I know exactly what's going on. It allows me to start gearing down my my meetings so that I can get out of there. So it's awesome for me because I don't have to watch my, look at my watch the entire time I'm in a meeting. I don't have to worry about, am I late for a meeting? I don't have to worry about whenever I check my calendar at 9 p.m., 10, 10 p.m. when I'm setting my uh, alarm the night before, my eyes venture down the calendar and I see that I've got two or three meetings that maybe make me a little bit anxious that I'm wondering if we prepared for. I don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. I don't see that until 4 a.m., 5 a.m. the next morning whenever I get up and check my phone. And then if I get a little stressed out about something, that's probably good because it, it means I'm on top of it. Yeah. So those are the uh, those are the the quick things that we use. But the the today handle it today. Those are just things like I said, the brain dump from the night before or as I'm driving in that morning. Man, I've got to remember to call Jordan today. If I don't write that down on something, it's it's gone. I mean, yeah. I, I'll, I'll think about it six days from now. You know, mm -hmm. so. There's just too many things to keep uh, keep track of. But if we're going to keep with this uh, theme of working smarter, the other thing that she says is to build habits to help you start working. Procrastination is a huge thing. We all know that. But to get into a working mindset, that can include a lot of things. It can include sitting down at your desk, putting your phone in do not disturb mode, routines that aren't quite so boring or regimented, but some sort of a routine that can get you into the work mode. For some people, it's listening to music. Yeah. For some people, it's just having a quiet time in the morning where you're just clearing your thoughts, reading your affirmations, goal planning, writing down your goals, whatever. That's getting you into a work mode. I talk so many times to people about how I used to just show up in the morning, wiping my eyes because I just woke up snoozing for an hour for 14 years. Talk about snoozing. Talk about Thor. Thor was, uh, was mastering me for years, and I didn't even realize it. 
how powerful that was. But getting to the office, pounding some coffee real quick, and then just diving straight into your emails. That's no one of the plan. worst ways to start your day. It's a reactive state, not a creative state, which we all want to create something that gives us some energy in the morning, whether that's working out, again, affirmations, goal setting, taking a walk, as silly as that sounds, just do something to be a little bit creative in the morning and get just get your day started on the right foot. And then if you want to dive into the reactive stuff, feel free. But you're probably in a better mindset whenever you do that. Uh, the fourth item here is track where you waste time. People have heard me say before, there is a, there's an app on, um, on your phone and on the desktop. It's called Harvest. And it's actually an invoicing system that a buddy of mine that's a computer, soft, uh, computer website designer, he uses this to invoice and bill his clients. It's all interactive and it's got mobile apps and all of that. Um, but I started tracking my time a couple of years ago. And for some people, this would drive you crazy. So you don't have to do it for a long time, but I challenge you for a week or even just a day, a couple of days, just track your time. And so I created, uh, I created revenue generating activity tags and I created non-revenue generating activity tags and basically went through. And every time I started a new task, I would start a timer. So if I wasted time walking down the hallway, talking to somebody about the game last night, I would start a timer. I would just kind of remember like, hey, I was out of here for 10 minutes and I'd put that in the timer. Yeah. It's amazing at the end of the week when you look back and see that you were only 41% productive. Golly. 41% revenue generating acti activities for that week. I had no idea. Wow. I knew I was wasting time during the day. I had no idea that if I had to go home and give an account to my family every day, which you know I don't, I don't do. I think my wife trusts me to work hard. But <laughs> if I had to go and give some sort of an account, how good would that feel? It'd be embarrassing. Oh, it'd be absolutely embarrassing. And and the truth of it is, more and more people are doing that out there, and they're not tracking it, so they don't realize it. So you got to find a uh, way to track where you're wasting time. You also have to build habits, guys. Number five here that help you stop working. Okay, and this one may seem a little bit weird, but it it absolutely works. Some of us, myself included, we struggle to stop working. Jordan, I looked at your calendar the other day when we were planning, or yesterday when we were planning out what time to be here, and you were a lot like mine. You're just stacked up. My staff does a great job of just stacking me up back to back each day. I looked at your calendar. You had what, like seven meetings throughout mm -hmm. the day, and you weren't getting home until later, you know, whatever. So we have to figure out a way to stop working. It's going to be a lot more important soon when you're, you know, when your son gets here, but it's easy to keep going for another hour or it's easy to jump on emails after you, you know, if you have to leave your office early to go to a dinner or a function, you're like, okay, I'll just, I'll just get on the emails after I get back home and just answer. I mean, I did it last night. I had a super busy day. Couldn't get uh, what I needed done. I get home. First thing I told my wife was, Hey, I got to have at least 30 minutes tonight that I can block off to answer some emails. I, I never do that. And yeah. I had to do it last night. So she's there with three kids all day long. How do you think that felt yeah. <laughs> to her? So we've got to figure out a way to stop uh, working. And, and a couple of ways to do this is there's some people that do a certain amount of time during the day before they cut off, uh, cut off their day. So they'll just do it up to a certain point during the day. And then that's their cutoff time and their discipline. They, they stick to it. It also helps you complete your most important tasks of the day first, because if mm -hmm. you don't, you know, you're not going to get to them. Um, one, one bit of advice that I heard one time was for someone at a certain time, they said at a certain time, unplug your laptop cord or your computer cord or whatever. Um, and when your battery runs out, you're done. Oh, wow. And that's kind of tough to stick to because I'm going to be reaching back like, oh, I, I just need to finish these two more emails. I'm going to plug my computer back in. Yeah. But you've got to stick to it. I have uh, an app that I downloaded from download.com and it's called free countdown timer. I've got it right here pulled up on my desktop. I can put as many timers in this thing as I want, and they float in windows at the top of my screen, and I can set it for, you know, if 3 p.m. is my cutoff time, I can set it right now. 
it'll sit in a little box on my on my screen. No matter what screen I click on, that little timer is always up there counting down. And then at 3 p.m., it's going to go off. Now, am I disciplined enough to leave at that time? Yeah. Okay. I've said for a long time in my business, I wanted to be done by noon on Fridays. And it just became a joke to my staff because they would say, hey, okay, it's Friday. Are you going to leave today at noon after me saying you need to hold me to this, right? <laughs> and I would just laugh and say, no, there's no way. I've just been behind on so much this week. And I never did it for like two years. I never did it. And then yeah. finally, I was like, okay, I've got I've to do this. There's too much at stake now for me to just work all the time. Okay. So if you need to get out of the office around 5 PM, let's say, which a lot of people out there, you know, want to do that. You've got to set up certain uh, timers or certain things to where you just know like, Hey, I'm done. I'm out of here at a certain time. The sixth one is take more breaks. Uh, Recently, I just did a video on the seven habits of highly effective people. And I know that Stephen Covey talks a lot about taking breaks to sharpen your saw. You may have heard that before, where if we just take breaks, we sharpen our saw, which is really our mind we're going to be able to work for a lot longer. Uh, there's also research, Jordan, out there that says we need to take more naps. I've got a couch here in my office. Uh, I've thought before, if I could just grab a 20-minute nap each day, how much better would I feel? Have yeah. I done it? No. Have you I just ever? keep working, right? Yeah. So, so again, we've got, to be, we've got to recharge, and we've got to uh, take time to just nourish ourselves to be better. And then take a walk outside. That's something I tell my guys. It seems silly. But after you've been working and grinding away for a couple of hours, go walk outside, walk around the hallway. Sometimes I see them doing it and I'm proud of them for doing it. Just go pull away for a second, go walk around the hallway. These are just some things. Probably a good idea too, if you're going to take a walk to leave your phone at your desk. Yes, right? absolutely. Because what do I do whenever I walk down to our deli to grab food real quick to, to hurry back up? I grab my phone. I mean, literally yeah. I'll walk halfway down the hallway and go, oh, I need my phone. The only thing I'm doing the whole ride the elevator down, the whole time I'm standing in line at the deli waiting to order some food and then get back up here and work more is I'm checking emails. I'm yeah. going, and it feels good, right? It feels like, okay, I'm getting these things knocked out, but you're never giving your your brain time to rest. I think in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it, the scene is these two guys, one has been chopping wood all day and his axe has gotten dull. And the guy stops and says, hey, you need to stop and sharpen your axe. And he goes, oh, man, I don't have any time to sharpen. There's no way I can sharpen my axe. I'm too busy. <laughs> and so he just keeps working with a dull axe yep. and, and really having to put out twice the amount of productivity. Whereas if he would just stop every now and then, spend an hour sharpening that axe, he'd get way more done during the time that he was working. So yep. that's a big lesson for me. Working smarter and not harder um, has has been something that I'm, I've been clued into for a while. But in 2017, I want to get better at mastering that. It's tough, especially for guys like us that are super type A, to be more strategic in the way that we work. One of the great financial advisor coaches is Nick Murray. And so I... I I love Nick Murray. Yeah, I ingest a lot of his stuff just because everything he says is pretty profound. And he he talks a lot about offloading work uh, to people that you can pay 15 bucks an hour to do or 20 bucks an hour to do or whatever. And if you see yourself as being worth 400 bucks an hour, why are you doing work that you can hire somebody to do for 15 bucks an hour? And so for guys like us that are, are super type A, it's tough to just say, you know what, even though I feel like I could probably do this really effectively, I'm going to let myself give this over to someone else. Yep. It's tough to do. But if we can start thinking I'm worth 400 bucks an hour, why am I doing $15 hour work? will be much more effective day in and day out. Yeah, right. I, in fact, just yesterday I, I heard and uh, I listen, as guys know, I listen to audio books and stuff all the time. And I was listening to, uh, I was listening to Grant Cardone. And there's a lot of people out there that love Grant Cardone. There's a lot of people out there that completely disagree with his, 
you know, the way he he's so enthusiastic and just, you know, too overboard, right? It's kind yeah. of the, hey, he turns me off. He's too overboard. Either you get him or you don't. But I, I, I kind of get him for what it, for what he's worth. Um, but uh, he made a comment yesterday. He said, does, um, does Elon Musk need to be out washing his own Tesla on the weekends? <laughs> Even if that guy really loved washing cars and it was therapeutic for him. Hey, that's great. But what could he spend that hour and a half? He, he could you know, wash a car from, from start to finish. Maybe he could go figure out how to design another battery to make that car run forever. You know, I think yeah. that's the quote he used. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we've just got to offload. We've got to delegate uh, type A, as you mentioned, but also control as much yep. as I hate to admit it. And I've defended myself a lot in the past about being wanting to be in control. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. I want to be in control. And I don't know that that's a bad thing all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm a business owner. I'm the leader of my family. Um, there's a lot of things that I want to do out there. I need to be in control in certain things to make certain things happen the way that I kind of have this vision for them to happen. Uh, but there's plenty of things that I certainly don't need to be in control. Over. Yeah. So, Jordan, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast here, I'll, I'll put you on the hot seat here for just a second. Any new thing over the last several weeks that you've learned, any new apps, any websites, any movies, any current events, anything that you can leave our, our listeners with that they need to go check out or hear about? Yeah, I think it'd be really incredible. Maybe we can talk more in detail about this next time. Uh, but there is a documentary that I'm in love with called Fed Up. It's on Netflix. It's a free documentary. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, you, you got to get on and watch it. It is all about sugar and how sugar is ruining our bodies and killing <laughs> our culture. And um, it's incredible. It's it's a really profound documentary. Uh, yeah, there's another one called That Sugar Movie that I've had on my Amazon Prime marked forever. And I just want to get a chance to watch it. Okay. Do you know anything about it? Have you no, seen the trailer? The trailer I saw was basically just about just about how this this lie, you know, in in, in kind of kind of on a, a segue here, there was a company back in the nineteen fifties that I heard about recently that paid huge money for this research uh, facility to go in and promote that cholesterol's horrible, sugar's <laughs> awesome. And now you get out to twenty sixteen, people are putting butter in their coffee. I do bulletproof coffee each morning. Uh, the American Heart Association just reversed their stance this past year saying cholesterol, healthy, good, good fat, good cholesterol is a non-issue. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's what we've yeah. been, we've, we've been led to believe that for years. So yeah, that sugar movie and then fed up, uh, it sounds like they probably go yeah, along I'd, the same. I'd like to see the other documentary. The idea behind fed up is, is big foods, uh, back in the fifties, sixties, they were, the, the federal government was beginning to regulate them and they were trying to get them to start manufacturing foods that were more health conscious um, big food said, okay, well, we'll take the fat out of foods. Right. And so you had this fat, that this fat free craze in the seventies and the eighties and really even up until now. And the problem is our bodies can digest fats, right? They're good for us. Right. Um, but when you take fat out of foods, it becomes like a rubber and it's no good. Doesn't taste well. Right. Um, fat is what makes you feel full, right? The fats in foods is what make you feel full. Um, Feed your brain too, get you out of brain fog. That's the main reason I do it. Yeah, get you out of brain fog, makes you feel full. So there's a lot of advantages to to fats and food. So you take it out, it tastes terrible, right? You don't feel as full as fast. And so what they replaced it with is sugar, which is just so (laughs) counterintuitive, right? Nice. Um, Recipe for disaster. Exactly. So now we've got, you know, we overeat because we don't have the fat in foods, right? So we don't feel as full. And then we overeat food that is, you know, 15 grams of sugar per serving or 30 grams of sugar. And, you know, you look at Coke at 
I think it's 40 grams of sugar in a Coca-Cola, something crazy like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's... It's more sugar than we ha should have in an entire day um, through all of the food that we eat. Absolutely. I'm going to have you read this text that my mom just sent me right before we started this podcast. Does Walmart sell the kind of butter you use in your coffee? <laughs> so my, so we're going home for Thanksgiving, and my mom knows that I, you know, at first it was like, why do you put butter in your coffee? You're weird, you know, and then now it's like, hey, let me go help you get some of that butter before you come. So no joke. She sent me that right before we started this podcast. That's great. I thought that was funny. So yeah, Bulletproof Coffee you, for me every day. Do you morning. enjoy it? Bulletproof coffee. Oh, I love it. I, it's it's very hard. In fact, I had a a friend of mine out at our farmhouse uh, out on our land uh, a few weeks ago who had you know not tried bulletproof coffee, butter coffee, and so I made him each day we were there for about three mornings. I made him bulletproof coffee, and he's like, dude, I don't I don't know that I can go back. And it's not no just a, way. It's not just a fad. It's not just you know it, it is a real thing. And I, and I use Kerrygold butter. It's grass fed, unsalted butter. Don't get the salted kind. Don't get the ungrass. Don't get the non-grass fed so it's grass fed unsalted and i'll put two tablespoons i'll just put a giant chunk every morning in there huh. and there's times that i forget to eat lunch man because it just tides me on through so um it, it definitely gives me more energy fills me up faster several of the podcasts that i've done talk about that and that's where kind of this bulletproof movement everybody thinks is like silly or a fad or like what is that you know i mean it's awesome it's real wow so um so does Starbucks have that? <laughs> no, they do not. Okay. They do not. No, I, and I use the, uh, I use Brain Octane. Got a bottle of Brain Octane right here in my office, which is 18 times stronger than coconut oil. So it's the highest grade of fat huh. that you can have. So your brain uses, your brain uses 30 to 40% of the calories you intake that are fat, uh, fat, consi consist of fat, like we're talking about. And if you're doing it in the, with the bad fat, you're going to be in brain fog all day. You're going to be slow. You're going to overeat, just like you said. So, yeah, I'm sure we can dive into that sugar part as well. I think people get a lot out of that. So, man, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, guys, thanks so much for listening in. If you want to connect better with me, head over to my social media sites, which mainly is Facebook and Instagram, at Success101Podcast is where you can find me there. You can also email us directly at info at success101podcast.com. Again, info at success101podcast.com with any questions, thoughts, ideas. Um, thanks so much for tuning in and downloading. And um, go check Jordan out on Facebook. It's Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, Earls, E-A-R-L-E-S on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. We will catch you again on the next episode of the Success 101 Podcast Unscripted. Until then. 